Good morning, Trinity Lions Church, and welcome. Hey, I see Ben Lewandowski there. Glad you could make it this morning. And then there's Ted and Darcy Goldsmith back there. Oh, man, it's so good to see you guys. And Dale and Sherry White. Oh, we're actually going to get to see you in a little bit. And Sonny and George. Sonny. Sonny Rose. Sonny Rose, sit down and pay attention, please. Sonny, thank you, Sonny. Jill, you got to keep him under control. Man, oh, it's so good to see you all, guys. Glad you're here this morning. And those visiting you with us, too, we're glad you're here. I have just a couple of announcements that I want to share with you uh, this morning. And uh, first of all, coming up this Thursday is the National Day of Prayer. And we just want to encourage you to take some time on Thursday, uh, somewhere in the day, and just spend it in concerted prayer, whether that's for uh, 20 minutes or an hour or whatever you can do, and just lift up some prayers and petitions to, to the Lord. And maybe as a family, you can do that in the evening and just spend some time together um, praying and, and just lifting up the needs, especially during this time of uh, uh, sheltering in place and things. Uh, it would be good to be praying for that. Um, that we would all just keep our minds about us as well as we go through this time, right? It would be something to be worth praying for as well. A reminder, Sacred Space is coming up on Saturday, and that is from 6 um, to 7 p.m. on Saturday at our TAC Reading Facebook page. And it's the group page, so if you go to our uh, Facebook page, group page there, you'll find us, and you might have to be invited into it, but we'll get you in there for the Sacred Space. And if you're interested in leading a Sacred Space, let us know that. And uh, Pastor Sean will get, get with you about that as well. Also, we just want to remind you that we're looking forward to having a baptism once we can get back to meeting together. And so we'd like to hear from you if you're interested in following the Lord and Believer's baptism. So contact uh, the office or myself, Pastor Sean, and let us know if you'd uh, like to be baptized. On Saturday, May 9th, we are having another drive-through time here at the church from 9 a.m. to 10 a.m. on Saturday morning. And it's a time for you to drive through and see the staff and elders and families just to say hi. And we have a gift for you for Mother's Day, a little a packet that we put together. So we'd like you to come and pick that up, some uh, special gifts there. So come to the church Saturday morning, anytime between 9 a.m. and 10 a.m., and we'll be here to greet you. You don't have to get out of your car. We'll just bring them to you and maintain all the social distancing things that we need to do and be safe there. So come and join us. Also, on Mother's Day, we have a special guest uh, going to be preaching uh, with us on that Sunday morning. It'll be Shalem Belpula. And I'm told, actually, that Grace is writing the sermon so that Shalem <laughs> doesn't mess it up. Okay? <laughs> so you might want to hear that. So Grace, um, Grace and uh, actually Shalem will be preaching with that on Saturday, Sunday morning at uh, 10. And join us there on Mother's Day at 10 a.m. for that message as well. There's other announcements and things that you can go to tacrunning.info. The address is right here below me or in the description boxes. And uh, go there and you can get more announcements and some of these other things I've been talking about and how to sign up for things as well. We have a scripture reading out of John chapter 3, verses 16 to 18. And I'm going to read those if you would just follow along. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, I thank you so much for the fact that you have given your life for us. That if we have believed on you, that we have eternal life that can never be taken for us, from us, that can never be perish, spoil, or fade, as it's kept in heaven for us, Lord. You, you said you 
when you went to go to be with the Father, that you were going to prepare a place with many rooms, that we would have a place there, that where you are there, where we can be also. And so, Lord, I, I just thank you so, so much for that gift of eternal life that each of us can have. We pray for those, Lord, in our spheres of influence who do not know you, who will not possibly have the chance to have this great and precious gift. And we pray that they would receive it, Lord. We pray that they would yield their lives to that. So, Lord, we just trust that this morning as we hear your word preached and, and as we take this journey, that our hearts would be stirred, that we would be renewed in our, our mission to, to just spread the good news about you and that people might be invited to join that same relationship with Jesus that we have. So, Lord, we give this to you. We trust for your leadership this morning and all that happens here. May your spirit just work through and through. For it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. All right, let's sing together. Laura?
Sunday morning, live and in person. Well, not really, right? Yeah, well, live at least, right? Well, maybe not really that way either. Oh, well, we're here, right? It's great, and it's a beautiful Sunday. Yeah, it's another good day to be worshiping. Just had this thought, actually, this morning. It just kind of hit me all of a sudden, and uh, I just wanted to share it with you, because I think it's just a a good perspective, maybe, to bring. But, uh, you know, we... Uh, are pre-recording these services on Friday. And uh, when we do that, it's weird to pre-record a service without anybody in the audience. And it's just, cha- you know, it's a challenge, right? To lead worship, but also to preach and all of that. We've talked a lot about that. Uh, and then you guys don't see it until Sunday, right? And so Sunday morning, we all get to watch it together at the same time. And it's great that way. But the, the concept that came to me today uh, was that, uh, you know, we actually, you know, in God's mind, you know, he is outside of time. He has stepped, uh, you know, he, he sees all of time as if it is right now in the moment. So yesterday, today, tomorrow, they're all, he sees them all as one, 
And it's just us that we're in this kind of linear experience of time where we, today is when we're recording, we're Friday, but when we're seeing this in live, it's on Sunday. And, and I just was praying and asking that God would allow us to experience these worship service, maybe this worship service this Sunday, like he experiencing it, like Friday and Sunday are all mashed together, so it's all happening at the same time, that as we are leading this worship on Friday, as we're up on Friday and recording this service, that as we're worshiping, we are in some way being able to connect with you all who are record, or listening and worshiping with us on Sunday, and that as you are there in your couches, obviously you're seeing us worship, but th- that you would feel our hearts of worship like we are experiencing on Friday in the moment on Sunday. I, I don't know, maybe I just confused you all, but it's just, I don't know, it's just a neat concept that God is able to smush time all together, and so for him, this worship service is like we're all still meeting together, like we are all still in the same room, like we are all still exalting and worshiping and praising and proclaiming his name all together, and maybe that's an encouragement for you. It was an encouragement for me today. Uh, anyway, so God is good. I want to uh, let you know that we've got the widener with us this morning. They are going to share a little bit about what God's been doing in their lives and how they've been interacting with him and what's been going on in their lives during these strange times. And so let's take a moment and let's hear from Sherry and Dale Widener. Take it away, guys. Hi there. We're the Wideners. Uh, We've been at Trinity Alliance Church since in the beginning. So we are a very biblical family. Uh, Pastor Sean asked us to share a little bit about how we're dealing with uh, the pandemic and things. And so here's our story. Um, At first, when we found out, I was terrified. Our oldest daughter is a critical care doctor and an anesthesiologist, so she's on the front line. She was afraid and she was sharing that she didn't have the proper equipment. So that's when I started making masks with the help of our other daughter, Erin, and her family. I was afraid for her and also her family. She has three small children and her husband and they all have asthma or reactive air disease. Our youngest son has an immunocompromised system. Um, Our son-in-law works at Costco. Our other son son works in retail. So everybody's an essential worker, which just puts everybody in a little bit of danger. And I was spending a lot of time afraid I realize that now I know what praying without ceasing means. I was praying every waking moment. I was waking up in the middle of the night and praying. I was terrified of what this was going to do to our family. Um, At first, let's see. Then I read the devotional that Becky Erickson wrote about shadows. And I realized that's what I was looking for. I was searching the shadows for the answer, how I was going to fix this what the future held, and that really helps me realize that I needed to turn around and face the light. I needed to seek Jesus and not be fearful of what was going to happen. Um, I tried to change my thought process that to be praying and claiming God's promises, His promise that He will always be with us, that He will never leave us, um, that He has a plan for our lives, and none of this is a surprise for Him. That helped me a lot. Um, that's still my what I try to do. I'm not saying I can always do that. I've also been able to see the blessings in our lives that everyone in our family, one of the couples or whatever, is an essential worker. So we all have an income. And 
most of our hours have been cut somewhat, but having an income is a blessing at this time. Um, the parents have been able to spend more time with their kids since they're home and not in school. We've been getting lots of pictures and videos of what they're doing and that is a lot of fun for us. We like that. Yeah. Um, to keep myself busy, I'm used to going to church and my sewing group. I miss all that very much. But I've been making masks and that really keeps me busy. I think I've made about 350. So <laughs> if you need a mask, let me know. I'm almost out of supplies again. But that has been a blessing. And working on puzzles, that's kind of what I do. Yeah. For me, um, it's kind of been hard on me as well. I've been, uh, I, I, I'm a very cheery person. I tend to be pretty positive all the time, but it's hard to be positive all the time. I've worried about that same exact stuff that Sherry was talking about. Uh, I was able to get to work a lot earlier. I just, uh, whenever I can't sleep because I'm thinking about work, I can just roll out of bed and get to work. So I'm working at home now. I'm very fortunate for that. Uh, I spent a lot of hours at work, uh, but it's obviously I should be fixing the yard up and doing some things like that. And that part's been discouraging. Uh, I do miss the social interaction. We, we enjoy our uh, small groups with the Zoom stuff and stuff mm -hmm. like that. We've done that a little bit. Uh, that's been encouraging, but I've never seen anybody. I happened to see Pastor Sean this week when he came by to pick up some masks and saw Pastor Bob this week as well and, and Kyle Mannion at the store. So that's all I've seen in almost two months. It's crazy. And I miss that. You know, I really do miss that. And that's that's hard. But um, anyway, we've been praying like crazy that uh, this is going to pass and it will pass. But it, it's hard. Uh, some days I think it's, it's oh, this is going to be awful. Even still, and other days I go, well, what's the big deal? It, we're, it's going to be fine. So um, our timing, we don't know what God has planned for this, but we do know that he has a plan for this. And so we just don't know what it is. But uh, anyway, we've been struggling just like everybody else. Um, I'm ready for it to be over just like everybody else. So <laughs> we'll see how that goes. But uh, anyway, that's our story. Thank you. All right. Thank you, Wideners. Uh, it's so great to hear from you. It's so fun to be able to do this uh, via video at least. Uh, it's great opportunity for us just to see different people in our church. And, and that reminds me, uh, you know, for Mother's Day, one of the things we're asking you guys to do is to shoot a five to ten second video like many of you did for Easter. But this time we're going to say, hey, moms, we love you, right? And uh, kind of a happy Mother's Day message. So all of you, it would be great if you could just take a little bit of time this week uh, before Thursday and make sure you just take a five or ten second video of you and your family and just saying happy Mother's Day to your mothers or uh, or to all the mothers or whoever you know mother person that you want to celebrate and uh, and send that in to Sean Brackett by Thursday so that he can get that into our service for Mother's Day all right so just encourage you to do that let's uh, go to prayer and just continue with our service this morning Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that you are outside of time, that you are able to enjoy uh, worship all at the same moment, even though it's spread out, not just across the days, but that it's spread out across the world. Lord, I, you are able to, in a moment, kind of step back and see all of the worship that has happened throughout all of the ages and throughout all of the world all at one time. And Lord, we would ask that you would give us maybe a little bit of a gift of experiencing a little bit of what you experience in the worship of your people. 
that we would feel united and connected this Sunday morning with the rest of our church and with the worship team and with the rest of the church around the world. That there would be just this sense that this service this morning would be a little bit more holistic, a little bit bigger than what we've seen before, what we've experienced before. That your spirit would allow us to connect with Christians around the globe who are worshiping you. Lord, you are a mighty and awesome God, and we thank you for the privilege of worshiping you. And we uh, lift this service to you, that you would be glorified in it, Lord, that you would bless us once again with your presence, that, you would, uh, that we'd be able to hear your voice, that you'd speak words of encouragement and comfort and challenge and direction uh, into us, uh, into our hearts, and that you would give us the courage to follow you wherever you lead. Lord, may this service be glorifying to you. May you allow us to, uh, to be blessed because of our worship, and may you inspire that worship within us today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, Laura and the worship band, let's keep on worshiping. All right, amen. As we continue on in our time of worship through the song this morning, the next several songs that we're going to be singing about are actually coming from uh, the Psalm 23. So all three of these songs that we'll be singing um, are speaking, and we're going to be singing those words, that the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. In green pastures he makes us lie down, and he restores our soul and leads us on. And, um, and even though we walk through the valley of the shadow of the death, we fear no evil because he is with us. He is our rod and our staff, our comforter, and um, he will guide us and direct us. So we're going to sing those words in the next several songs this morning, that we would sing the truth of the Lord, that God is with us. He is our shepherd. He is our door that lead us into green pastures this morning. shepherd is his goodness faileth never and nothing lack if I am his and he is mine forever he is mine forever where streams of living water flow my ransom soul he Celestial feeding Never failing Ruler of my heart Everlasting Lover of my soul On the mountain high Or in the valley low King of love my shepherd is The king of love my shepherd is Lost and foolish shot by strength Rejoicing brought me in Desafel. I fear no ill with thee, the Lord beside me. Thy rod and staff, my comfort. 
there will be an end to these troubles, but until that day comes, we'll live to know you here on the earth. mountain high. God never leaves us or forsakes us. We can trust in him for he's good. His mercy endureth forever. Amen.
shepherd I shall not want In green pastures he makes me lie down He restores my soul and leads me on for his name for his greatness
Yeah, Jesus, we just thank you so much that you're here with us. You are our greatest guest. We love you very, very, very much. And I just ask that you speak to us, Holy Spirit. And we want to hear what you have to say. We care. We treasure the fact that you are here. Um, yeah, Lord, and we're listening. Soften our hearts, God. Open up our ears to hear you. We love you too. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Good to see you all again. I just uh, I'm excited about what God is doing in our world, despite the the chaos, despite the strangeness of our times. It is amazing to see what God is doing. Um, last week, I, I heard from Karen Lammers. I uh, got an email from her sharing that uh, she had the privilege of um, leading one of the kids that she watches during the week to Christ, an eight-year-old, I believe. And uh, again, just another individual brought into the kingdom of God where the angels and all of heaven is celebrating but we get to celebrate too and just excited about how God is allowing us as a church to begin to experience uh, just being a part of him leading other people to himself, drawing them into relationship with him. Uh, by my count, I think we're up to nine now this year that we as a church, individuals in our church, have had the privilege of leading or being a part of leading them in a prayer to receive Christ. What an awesome gift. If you remember, we, uh, I threw out the number a dozen earlier in the year, and it's amazing to see how God is... Uh, you know, going to, I think, blow that number out of the water. Uh, we're already at nine. Uh, but this morning, I uh, wanted to uh, take uh, some time, again, continuing in our series on discovering who Jesus is by examining the I am statements of the book, in the book of John. Uh, the first week of the series, we looked at uh, Jesus saying that I am the bread of life. And then last week, I am the light of the world. And then this week, uh, we're going to explore uh, Jesus in John chapter 10 says that he is the gate. As uh, I've shared with you before, I uh, grew up, in essence, in a grocery store in some way. Uh, my first, oh, actually, my second job was in a, a grocery store, a small, uh, you know, kind of a company, not one of these big companies like Walmart, right? Just a small company uh, that had about four or five stores at the time. But uh, I got hired as my second job, I, and that was after a month uh, working at uh, Flipping Burgers at Dairy Queen. <laughs> Boy, was I glad to get out of there. Uh, but anyway, grocery was a great job. I mean, it was great in a lot of different ways, you know. Uh, one, it was a union position, so that meant I got paid more than minimum wage, right? But 
Also, you know, they were flexible in my schedule. I got paid a holiday pay. It was like amazing, right? It was pretty cool. But uh, grocery. So I worked in the grocery store for 17 years. Uh, when I got done with 17 years, I was shocked it had been 17 years. I mean, that's like a career, right? I mean, like, that's almost like too long, right? Almost like, you know, maybe you're a lifer in that business, right? 17 years as a grocer. Uh, and uh, I did a lot of different jobs in that 17 years, and uh, it was a really good job for me, and uh, it's something I actually enjoyed. But again, I never thought I'd be there 17 years. It wasn't, you know, I, what I enjoy. Yeah, I'm an extrovert, right? So I'm around people all the time, right? So yeah, no wonder I loved that job, right? But, but to be in it for 17 years is too long. But about five or six years after I got hired. So I got hired in high school when I was like 16 years old and, uh, you know, went to college, came back and ended up getting married and, you know, this kind of stuff. And so I needed a job and grocery was there. So I continued to work grocery after a couple of years in college and after I married Debbie and all of that. And so about six years after I started in grocery business, I got the responsibility of ordering all of the product for the grocery department in a 50,000 square foot store. And I was like, you know, I didn't think any of it at the time, but you know, now I look back and I'm like 22 years old and I'm ordering groceries for a 50,000 square foot store. I mean, I don't know if that's a good idea. I don't know who my boss was. Maybe he's a little crazy. I don't know. But anyway, that's what I got to do. And so it was, a, it was a fun thing to do. I actually enjoyed uh, ordering and going through, but it required three days a week I would have to walk every aisle of the store, and I'd have to look at every item on the shelves of every aisle. And in that moment, as I'm walking through the store, I had to determine or try to figure out how much product we would sell of that individual item between the moment that I'm standing there and two days later when the load, the shipment would show up, right? Do that for the whole store, right? I mean, the whole, you know, every aisle, you know, doing that. Now, you would think that would take forever, but you get pretty quick at it after a while, right? But I also had to understand how, I had to know how much back stock we had, right? How, much, how, much, how many cases were in the back room to refill that shelf, right? You know, because if you got like 10 cases of an item in the back, you don't want to order another 10 cases if, unless you're going to go through that 10 cases in the next two days, right? And so you had to know all this stuff. You had to be aware of all these things. And, and, and so I, you know, got, okay. Oh, Okay at it, but uh, the the amazing thing was is in in this fifty thousand square foot store there were actually about fifty thousand different SKUs, different items that I would have to potentially order three days a week, uh, and, and I remember a couple of times. My, you know, the store manager coming up to me after a load had arrived and it got put on the shelves, and he would walk me down the aisles and show me all of the holes on the shelf where I hadn't ordered enough product and there was no product left of a certain item. And, uh, and so he would kind of chew me out, you know, hey, what are you doing? You got you to fill it. Why didn't you order this? Come on, what's your problem? And, you know, this kind of thing. And, and I remember thinking, you know, kind of in the back of my head, like, you know, 50 holes out of 50,000 different items, eh, that's not too bad, right? I mean, 
mean, come on, right? I mean, what's the problem? Uh, but anyway, it's amazing how many different items we have in our grocery stores, right? It's 50, think about it. If you never thought about that, 50,000 SKUs. That's an average, you know, for an average big grocery store, that's how many different items they have in their store. Now, not just like product, you know, like it's not like, you know, here's a case of chili, that's 12 of the 50,000. No, no, no. Like different SKUs, different items. So there's, you know, thick chili, and then there's just regular chili, and then there's, you know, a different brand of chili. So each, there's 50,000 different SKUs in most of our bigger grocery stores these days. That's crazy, right? That, that's amazing that you would need that much variety, right? But, you know, we Americans, we love our variety, right? We, we love to have choice. You know, we love to have the different items that we can choose from. Uh, but I do want to, I want to, I want to, you know, kind of maybe, I got to say something, because I'm a grocer, I've been around that for 17 years, I know these things, and I just, I need to say something, I need to help you out, okay? So every grocery store has has their kind of name brand stuff, right? You know, so uh, for us, uh, we were, you know, a cost cutter, and and it was, you know, Western Family was kind of our name brand stuff. You know, Rayleigh's, they have their name brand Rayleigh's kind of products, right? And and, and so I just need to tell you that... um, if you don't buy the 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 like the kind of the private name brand, you know, for the grocery store stuff, you're kind of wasting money. And and I'll tell you why. Cuz here's the deal. That name, that label that says Rayleigh's on it and doesn't say like Nally's on it, uh it's the same stuff. Okay, they just changed the label, right? I mean, it's just a different label, right? You need to know these things, right? Because like ketchup, like, you know, Heinz ketchup. Well, don't buy Heinz ketchup. Buy the store brand of ketchup because it's the same thing, okay? Don't, don't buy Heinz. All right, Heinz is going to be mad at me. Nally's is going to be mad. Anyway, whatever. So I just wanted to let you know. So, but think about it. 50,000, we love our choices. You know, we love to have the variety. We love to, we love specialization. We love individualization as Americans, right? I mean, think about it. I mean, restaurants, right? We don't just have like one sandwich restaurant in town. No, you got dozens of sandwich restaurants. We love variety. We got to have all these different kinds. Uh, You know, coffee. (laughs) <laughs> right? Aye, coffee, right? Not only do you have a bunch of different coffee shops, but also you go to a coffee shop, they've got a lot of different things that you can order, right? You know, you can get an Americana, or you can get a latte, or you can get all these other crazy things and whatever you want to do. You know, personalize it, make it your own, right? It's your coffee. Uh, uh, cars, right? There's not just one or two different kinds of cars out there, right? I mean, there's Dozens of different kinds of cars in our world, but in our country. Uh, books, right? I mean, it's not, you know, it would be nice if we just had this book, right? Well, maybe not. Uh, anyway, I mean, it's like we, gotta, we have all these different books and movies, right? All the different genres of movies. We love choice in America. As Americans, we love to have variety. We love to have uh, the ability to specialize all of our orders. But this, uh, this love of choice goes beyond just kind of our materialistic world, right? The, the materialism that we have or the products that we want to buy. It even goes into our careers, right? Uh, just the variety of careers that continue to be developed. Education and the different schools that we have and the different schools of thought even. Friendships, you know, relationships. We want to have a variety in relationships. And even uh, in our culture, it's even begun, we've got variety in sexual identities and variety even now in gender. 
Now, most of the time, you know, having variety and choice is not a bad thing. It, it's, it's an okay thing, and, and we've seen this. Actually, it's a good thing oftentimes. We've seen it in the church as well. Uh, really, you know, there was kind of basically two strains of, of Christianity, Orthodox and Catholic, right, for, for 1,000, you know, 1,500 years or so, right? And then uh, 500 or so years ago, we had the Reformation. And now uh, we have so many denominations, right, Christian denominations. It's like uh, really thousands now of Christian denominations in uh, our world, right, and and so, again, choice has uh, influenced even the church in the different perspectives that we have, or different uh, church denominations we have, but also in the different theological mindsets. You know, we have Calvinism, we have Arminianism, we have Wesleyanism, right? You have the Reformed uh, tradition, you have uh, fundamentalist, dispensationalist, you have Lutheran, Methodist, Evangelical. I mean, there's just so many varieties, right? And this is really kind of the American way. And again, Choices, I think, are a good thing most of the time. But there's one area where it's not a good thing. But we've seen it, this, this desire for choice infiltrate our perspectives. And that is in the area of salvation. We have a, a culture right now that is believing and proclaims that all gods, all way, all roads, excuse me, all roads lead to God. All roads lead to God. There's, there's a bunch of different ways to be saved. There's a bunch of different ways that we can experience uh, you know, God, right? And there's a bunch of different flavors of how that can work and, and that that's okay. We have a, a culture in America and even around the world of spiritual relativism. Right, uh, the, you know, it's kind of like it. You know, everybody can kind of choose what flavor they want. Everyone can choose what they think is right. Uh, the freedom of religion in our country is something that is important, and so that means that everyone can practice whatever religion they want, and that's that's a good thing. But because of that, now it's morphed into this also this perspective that we must respect all religions. That they have, uh, that they're all valid and legitimate ways to connect with God. It is this spiritual relativism that has created chaos for Christianity, especially in late in, in the recent days. You think about it; our our culture has a bunch of different religions in it that promote family or world wealth or sexual pleasure or some kind of moral code. But there's also a lot of secular ways to God, in a sense. Secular, secular waves of salvation, wealth, reputation, leisure, again, sex and food and education and entertainment, power, positive thinking, gratitude, or, or simply victimhood. These are all things that our world and Americans look to for salvation, the way that they can find who they are, their identity, and live out that. And because of all, again, this spiritual relativism, Christianity is under attack. And the reason that we're under attack is because we proclaim that there is only one way to God. That there is only one way salvation. And because of that, Christians are regularly described as being racist and bigoted and at the very least arrogant. How dare you say that your 
religion is the only true religion. But that is exactly what we see before us today. And and understand that this morning I stand before you to boldly proclaim not what I believe or simply what I believe. And not just simply what the billions of Christians around the world believe. Because it's not about what I believe. Uh, Whether I believe it or not doesn't matter. And the fact that I say that I believe this really doesn't matter either. Because it's not me who's saying it. I am simply quoting the words of Jesus who says that he is the only way. That he is the gate to the eternal pasture land that we are all seeking. John chapter 10 verse 7 and following reads as following. (laughs) Jesus again said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. (laughs) Jesus is the only door into salvation. You know, this, uh, this farming imagery that he uses, right, of, uh, of the sheep and the shepherd in a sense, but he's not the shepherd yet, we'll get there next week. Right now, he's just the gate, he's the doorway into the post- pasture land. And, and this imagery reminds us of simpler times. You know, when, when things seem to be a little less complicated, right? You know, on the farm, it always, I don't know, I, I grew up in dairy country, and I worked with, you know, friends of mine who owned dairies, and we'd work in, you know, the, the farms during the summer, and, and, and bucking bales and that kind of stuff, and it always seemed, it was a hard life, but it always seemed a little bit simpler. You know, there wasn't a lot of technology, to, oh, there's a lot of technology nowadays, but it just, I don't know, there was, it was just kind of a, seemed like a simple life, and not in a negative way, but it just, uh, it was kind of a plain, you know, just, a, this is what it is, we, you know what you got to do, you got to get up early, you got to feed the cows, you got to milk the cows, I mean, it was very cut and dry what you needed to do, and, and that is maybe fitting for the message of salvation, right, because, because it is simple, the, the message of salvation is simple enough and, and easy enough and plain enough for even a child to understand it. Again, Karen Lammers with an eight-year-old, you know, being able to lead them to Christ. They understand what it means to the fullest no, but that's plain enough and simple enough that even they can understand this is a reality of, of salvation. But I don't think this is really what the focus is of this imagery. Again, the imagery of the sheep entering the eternal pasture land. And there's only one door. There's only one way to get there, and that is through the door, Jesus Christ. 
You know, and Jesus is the one who proclaims this, not just in this verse. I mean, sometimes you can go, oh, well, Pastor, you're just pulling some passage, you know, some verse out of the Bible, ripping it out of its context, and then saying, oh, see, here it is. This means that, you know, Jesus is the only way. No, no, no. Jesus says this several times in Scripture in his life, right? Even later in John, uh, we're going to see in John chapter 14, I am the way, the truth, and life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So Jesus clearly claims this over and over again, but he's not the only one. John claims it. Peter claims it. Peter in Acts 4.12, he claims that Jesus is the only way. Salvation is only found in Jesus. Romans 10, Paul, he's talking about the fact that we need to proclaim the name of Jesus. That's how we get, we need to believe in Jesus. That's how we get salvation. And in Ephesians 2.8 and 9, and in John as well. So we've got several throughout Scripture This is clear. It's over and over again. It is Jesus. He is the only door into the pasture land of eternity. He is the only form, only way of salvation. So understand when we stand up as Christians and proclaim that Jesus is the only way and people then respond in anger and offense, understand that their offense has to be taken up with Jesus, not with us. Because we are simply quoting what Jesus said. It is not true that Jesus is the only way because I believe it. It is true because Jesus said it. This is the, one of the most clear truths in all of Scripture that Jesus is the only way, that he is the door into the eternal pasture land. But I also want to Look at another aspect of this door, this gate, if you will, a will of Jesus into salvation. Because in Matthew 7, verse 13 and 14, we get a, maybe a different perspective. Jesus is still the, the gate in this situation. He's still that kind of, this is the, the way into salvation. But now it's described in a little bit different way. There's, there's a descriptor word that's given in, in Matthew chapter 7, verse 14, that says that the, narrow, that the gate is narrow. So it's not that Jesus is the only way, he's the only door, he's the only gate, but he's also, that gate is a narrow gate, that he's a narrow gate to enter. And so what does that mean? What does it mean that Jesus is a narrow gate? Well, it doesn't mean, it, what it doesn't mean is it doesn't mean that it, the, the, the gate of salvation, the door of salvation is like one of the doors at a sporting event. Remember those things? Yeah, we used to go to them occasionally. Way back in the day, yeah, you know, back when they let us go out of our homes and actually go and watch sports and everything. Yeah, yeah. I remember it. It was a lot. It, it, don't worry. It's not a big deal anyway. The games were, you know, I mean, Seahawks always won, so what's the big deal? But anyway, you, know, you go to a sporting event, a venue, right? The doors are huge, right, when you walk through. So masses of people. So the, the gate being narrow means that it's not a door like that where you can go arm in arm with all your buddies and friends in the same time, right? You're, 
not all entering into this gate at the same time and same moment, high-fiving your friends as you go. It's also not like a, a, a storage gate, right? Like a storage unit gate. You ever go to a storage unit, you know, and they got, you know, these massive, you know, buildings with all these storage units in them, right? And they have a gate, usually, you know, a little coded and it'll electronically open, right? And it's big gate and it rolls on. I mean, it's like huge gate and you can, you know, one car coming out, one car going in kind of thing. It's usually really large and you can get a U-Haul through that gate, right? You know, and this is not like the gate to, to salvation. Jesus is a narrow gate. You can't drive a U-Haul into the gate of salvation. No, the reality is, is that the fact that the gate to salvation is narrow means that we can only enter when we surrender everything, when we are completely naked in, 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 in before the Lord. That we strip off all of the things. We can't take anything with us in this salvation. We can't take our sin. We can't take our righteousness. We can't take our treasures. We can't take our families. We can't take our friends into salvation. We have to enter it alone. We have to enter it with just who we are. We have to enter it uh, uh, one at a time. We, We can't bring others with us at the same time. Again, we have to enter this gate naked humbled and broken and just ourself the entrance into the gate of salvation through the gate of salvation is quite literally a rebirth John 3, 3 is Jesus is interacting with Nicodemus and says that we all must be born both of water and of the spirit and that we are reborn in Christ. Second Corinthians 5.17 says that we are all uh, created new. We are a new creation once we give our life, once we walk through this narrow gate of salvation. It is a rebirth into a new creation. And the only way to get there is to shed off all of the things that we've been depending on before. The things that we have been clinging to. The things that we've been trusting to. Uh, the hanging, you know, the, the, trusting. The things that we've been looking to to be able to guide us. Other salvations that maybe are out there. See, the reality is, is that the other gates in this world, the other ways of salvation, the other doors of salvation in this world that they like to offer, all of those are wide open. They're large gates that let anybody and everybody through, and they don't have to, it's, it's, not, it's not hard to get through those gates. They're easy to get through those gates. You, you can bring all the stuff you want with you into those gates, but not in the gate of salvation. When we're walking through Jesus, we have to surrender everything else. We have to give up the things that we've looked to in the past. We have to give up the things that we've clung to. Uh, Scripture teaches us that if we're not able to um, uh, hate our mother and our father, our brothers and our sisters, compared to the love that we have for Jesus, then we can't enter the kingdom of God. Scripture teaches that we need to pick up our cross daily in order to follow Jesus. Yeah, scripture teaches us that if, that if we try to save our life, we will lose it. But if we're willing to surrender our life for Jesus, then we will save it. You see, the narrow gate 
means that it's just Jesus, that we enter just ourself, whoever we are. But the amazing thing about that is that we are accepted just as we are. You know, so often we want to bring all these other things, these righteousness that we've done or these talents and abilities we have and all these friends we have and people who know who we really are. We want to bring them with it. See, look at God, I've got all these things and, and now you'll like me because look at all these amazing things that I've got with me. But when we go through the narrow gate, we've got to leave all that behind and the amazing thing is, is once we get on the other side, we are fully accepted just as we are. Weak and humble, broken, just ourself. One last uh, piece I want to kind of flesh out a little bit about this Jesus being the door to the pasture land of eternal salvation is that he's the, also the only door that can deliver but can also over-deliver. You see, Jesus is the door that says, hey, salvation through this way. You know, come this way, come through me, and you will find salvation. Come through Jesus, and you'll find salvation. And so Jesus delivers. He's the only one that delivers on the salvation, but he over-delivers because he gives so much more than just salvation. See, all the other doors, they, they promise salvation as well. And matter of fact, they promise a whole lot of other things. You know, oh, come, you're going to get these, all these wonderful things. You're going to have all these amazing blessings. You're going to have all this wealth. You're going to have all these people that like you and respect you. You're going to have all these uh, uh, amazing you know, truths, amazing people that you're going to be interacting with, all these amazing materialistic things, all this amazing future, all this, all this amazing rest. But none of them can deliver on anything they promise because they are ultimately in the end always going to dehumanize degrade deceive and destroy all who enter their doors this is the reality of all other doors it is only jesus the door of jesus that not only delivers on what he promises but abundantly overproduces over delivers on those promises it is, we, when we walk through the door of Jesus, we not only get eternal salvation, we get so much more. We get fully and accepted and loved. We get value. The fact that God the Father accepts us allows us to be in relationship with him despite the fact that we're still sinful and broken. He accepts us just as we are. That is where we find true value. The world is searching for value, going through all of these other doors, trying to find somebody who thinks that they're valuable. And if I just do this, oh, I'll be valuable. If I just do that, I'll be valuable. If I just have a relationship with these people, then I'll be valuable. But no, it's Jesus. It's through the door of Jesus that we are accepted by the Father and we find our true value because our true value is not in what we can offer and what we can do. Our true value is in the fact that we are created by God and we can have a relationship with him for all eternity. That's what we were created for. That's the value that we get. But more than that, we don't just get value. We also get, we, we find truth and we find a, a true and faithful family. 
you know, our, our human families are great. Uh, I had a Zoom meeting actually with my family uh, on uh, Wednesday this week. It was my mom's birthday. She turned 29 again. It's amazing. But we had a great time. A whole family got together on Zoom. Now it would have much better if we were together. But, you know, we're, you know, apart from, you know, got one in Alaska. I got one down here in California somewhere. And then got people in Washington, right? So we, but we got all together. We had this amazing conversation and good time together. And my family is great. We have a good time. But my family is flawed. But the family that I get when I walk through the salvation gate of Jesus is a perfect family of eternity where I feel true comfort, where I'm, again, accepted for who I am, where I feel real love and real support. It's, it's a, and it's a family that is so much bigger than just my biological family. I, and it, it, well, you got cousins all over the place, right? And brothers and sisters all over the place and, and moms and dads all over the place. I've been amazed at, you know, just moving to Reading. I've talked about this many times and the, the number, I've got, uh, you know, 150, 200 family members in this church that are just loving on me and I get to love and get to, we support each other and encourage each other. So we get salvation when we walk through this, this door of Jesus into salvation. We get salvation. We also get value. We also get comfort and support. But we also get a relationship with Jesus which satisfies the intimacy that we desire so much. We are friends with Jesus. We are one with Jesus. There's this connection between us. Our vision statement talks about that this is the the goal of Christianity, is to enjoy our relationship with Jesus. We are not trying to obtain it, because as soon as we walked through the gate, walked through the door of Jesus, we entered into this perfect relationship with Jesus. It's about enjoying it. We have this amazing friendship, companionship with Jesus that we could experience for all of eternity. We get so much more than just salvation. And finally, we also discover true purpose and success. Again, all the other gates, all the other doors of salvation are offering purpose if you just walk through this, well, this is what your life is about. This is what you're going to do with your life. This is why it's important. This is the things that are going to you know, be meaningful to you. But it's only through Jesus that we find true meaning, true purpose, where we realize that all of a sudden, you know, my life takes on real meaning. And again, it's not about what I can accomplish in this world. It can be the simplest things that we do that just as in worship our life is meaningful in time of prayer my life is meaningful in reading scripture my life is meaningful in having a conversation with a friend my life is meaningful it's not just being a missionary that my life is meaningful now some christians have twisted this and and they've kind of twisted the relationship with god and it's about us you know doing stuff for him so that he's appeased but that's not christianity Christianity is about Jesus doing stuff. He's already appeased God. We just get to enjoy this amazing gift that he's given us through grace. And we worship him because of it. And everything we do for him, all that we do, all of our life is all now got meaning to it. It's amazing. John 10.10, of course, says that it is the abundant life that we get. Right? That Jesus... You know, all the, th- the, the thieves, all the other ways, they're, they're there to destroy and deceive. But Jesus, he's come that we might have life and have it to the full. This is the life that he calls us to. This is what we receive in salvation. He over-delivers. 
All right. Just a couple of final thoughts, and as I go through those, why don't the worship team go ahead and come on up, prepare for our final song. So we see that Jesus is the only gate, the only door to salvation. And we boldly proclaim that again, not because it's what I believe, but it's because what Jesus said. And if you don't like that there's only one way to heaven, then you need to take that up with Jesus, not with me, because I'm just quoting what he said. But even though there's only one gate, again, like I said earlier, variety is not a bad thing. And when it comes to sharing the reality that Jesus is the only gate, it takes a variety of, of styles. It takes a variety of experiences. It takes a variety of ways to share that amazing truth. And so I, I just want to encourage you, church. You know, there's so many of us that can maybe think that we're not evangelists. You know, we, we think of an evangelist as a missionary or, you know, maybe Billy Graham, right? I mean, I hear he was okay at evangelism. I don't know. But anyway, so we, we put our, you know, kind of push that out. Oh, yeah, evangelists. Those are those guys, you know, who are out preaching on the streets. Those are, that's the pastor types, you know, the missionary types. But I'm not an evangelist. I mean, I, I really not. That's not, you know, for me. I don't have that gift and and certainly maybe there is a gift of evangelism but understand that all of us have within us the capability to share the truth of who Jesus is this is why we're preaching through Jesus. We're focusing on Jesus in our preaching this year. It's an evangelistic perspective. We're saying we need to know this Jesus, and as we understand and know Jesus, our passion for him will grow, and as our passion for him grows, we will not be able to keep from telling other people about him. But understand this. I want to zero on a different perspective here, that you have a unique relationship with God. You have a unique experience and journey that you've had with the Lord. And there are people in this world that will only come to know Jesus because and through your unique perspective. See, when we look at evangelism as something that's outside of us and not us, we begin to, we, we downplay the role that we have in the kingdom of God and the sharing of the gospel to others. We downplay the importance that we are to the kingdom. We downplay the importance that we are to evangelism and to sharing the love of God with those who don't know him yet. But you need to understand that God has uniquely created you and you have a unique relationship with him that no one else does and you may be the only one that will be able to say the right words at the right time to that individual who doesn't know Jesus and then God will use that unique expression in order to draw that person to himself. We cannot downplay our, uh, the importance of how God can use us. He can use all of us, and he needs all of our unique experiences. So church, stop downplaying. Stop uh, poo-pooing the idea of evangelism or that you can't do it because you don't know enough or you don't have enough experience or, or you're not theological enough or you don't know how to say the right words or you're not you know, vocal enough or you're an introvert or whatever. We've got to get rid of all those excuses because God can use all of us and he's ready to use all of us. And as a matter of fact, there are some people that will never come to know Jesus unless you have the boldness and the courage given to you by the Spirit to step out and say the words and speak the truth to that person who's searching. 
And folks, there are so many people who are searching right now. Through this pandemic and the, and the sheltering in place, the lockdown of our country and our world, there are the, the, the doors that others have walked through and have been trusting for their salvation are failing them. And they are desperate for answers and they are looking to find a door of salvation that's true and real and will support them, not just in the good times, but in the times of pandemic as well. Folks, let's go, church. We're ready. We need to do it. God's prepared us. He's going to give us the words. He's given you a unique experience with him. So we need to be looking for those people who are desperate to share the love of Christ with right now. All right, church. God is good. He's at work. He's at work in you. He's at work in the midst of this pandemic and all the responses. So we are ready, church. We're ready to do this. God can use us. He's using us already. Let's step out in boldness and proclaim to the world that Jesus is the door of salvation. He's the door that leads to the eternal pasture land of salvation for the whole world. Amen. All right, Laura, worship team, let's sing together.
Father, we uh, thank you for Jesus. We thank you for your word so clearly teaching that he is the only door of salvation. Lord, Lord, there's no ambiguity about it. There's no, like, you know, hesitation about this. You know, throughout scripture, it's the same. It's always pointing to Jesus. It's always through Jesus. And thank you for that truth that allows us to not just boldly proclaim it publicly, but to boldly believe it in our heart and to live out a life with confidence, knowing that when we have bowed our knee to Jesus as Lord, that we are secure for all eternity. That salvation is sure. But more than that, that as we have stepped through this narrow gate, we have become new. We've been born again and, and, and now have a, we are new creation, infused with the Holy Spirit and in unity with God the Father and the Son and able to live out our life in glory and worship of God. But Lord, this truth is not just for me. It's not just for us who are already believers. It's not just for those who have already walked through the gate. It is also for the whole world. Lord, you desire that all would come to you. You have created every human being ever created, ever born, to be in intimate relationship with you for all eternity. That is the goal. That's the purpose. That's the, 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 the call of every human. And we as your church need to continue to not only embrace and enjoy the amazing and abundant blessings that we receive in salvation, but we also must be constantly aware and looking for those around us who are searching for that gate. Lord, give us the courage to step out. Lord, I pray that you would break down the walls of our heart that have somehow taught us or lied to us and told us that that's not for us to do, that we can't evangelize, that we can't share Jesus. Lord, I I pray you just tear down those walls right now. Mm, That we would have a church that rises up individually, Mm. one by one. In a church, we are... are, We are apart from each other right now. We're not meeting together in the same room. We're all in our own living rooms right now. We're unable to get together. But that means that we are spread throughout the community right now. We have opportunities in our neighborhoods. We have opportunities in our jobs. We have opportunities with our families and our friends. We have opportunities that have never been there before to share the love of Jesus. God, help us, inspire us, Lord, that you would send us out, that we would be getting with boldness off of our couches and proclaiming 
proclaiming Jesus as the only way to salvation, that we would have eyes to see those who are in need, who are desperate, who have been deceived by the world, who have found that the things that they've trusted in have failed them, and that we would be able to step alongside them, and not with condemnation, but with amazing love and with your amazing grace, be able to share this amazing truth that Jesus loves them and is calling them into his kingdom. This is our, this is what you've created us for, to be in relationship with you and with others. Lord, ignite this passion for the lost within us. Lord, that we would get the privilege to see the fruit of your kingdom as you draw more and more into your family. Romans, excuse me, no, yes, Romans, not John. Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and following. Because if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. (laughs) For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. For the scripture says, everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing his riches on all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And this is again, that's, that's preaching at you right now. <laughs> Paul is saying, okay, this is for you. This is salvation for you. But then he goes on in the very next two verses. How then will they call on him who they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him who they have not heard and how are they to hear without someone preaching and how are they to preach unless they are sent as it is written how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news in Jesus name amen and hallelujah church we are called by Jesus not to go alone not even necessarily to go with the church at times like this but to go with his spirit he will empower you he will give you the words to say Lord may you bring your kingdom to earth may you bring your kingdom to this community may we see new lives come to you for the first time saved for the first time walking through that gate of salvation of Jesus for the first time for your glory and for our blessing yes. amen yes. hallelujah church I love you thank you for who you are thank you that you love Jesus let's pass that love on to others and again may he be glorified worship band's got some more playing I think to do so let's continue continue to chat online with us if you'd like uh, just to have a little conversation for the next 10 minutes or so God is good God's at work in you and in our community let's join him Choose the 
You are my vision, O King of my heart. Nothing else satisfies, only you, Lord. You are our best thought by day or by night, waking or sleeping. He is our presence and our light.
I will save you from the evil and loudly coughing dark, Kovitar. Ho, ho, ho. Oh, come on, Kenobi. I want to be the hero this time. No, you are so clumsy. You can't even do a one-handed stand with Yoga standing on your foot. Luke, calm down, you must. To face Darth Kovitar, ready, you are not. Not until completed your training is. Yeah, kid. Stay back and let the adults handle this. You wouldn't want to lose an arm, would ya? You are no match for me. I will keep you under lockdown forever. I have my saber with me at all times. We must use the saber and the force to help us through this time, Princess Pig. Thou are my hero. Maybe a song can help too. I'd like to sing. Ah, uh, kid. Really? Ah, uh, if you must. Sing, you must. Sheltered in place, we stay. But a song of joy you will sing. Sing, you must, Luke. Kababi, hand, join, you must. Thou art my battle shield, thou saber for the fight. Thou art my dignity, thou my delight. Thou my soul shelter, and thou my high tower. Come raise me out of this awkwardness. Give you a hand.